0: Welcome to Renegade Inc. It is said in the Gospel of Matthew that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. But what happens when the rich men are the pastors? Today, the prosperity gospel has conflated Christianity with capitalism. Its business model is to sell access, success, and salvation. And if you don't buy any of those, but all you'll get is hellish damnation. I've got to tell you, the first thing that I do when I get to America is jump into the hotel room, get the remote control for the telly, get to the uh, cable channels Mm -hmm. and find the God Squad. Mm -hmm. And there's about five or six of them and someone's falling over, Mm -hmm. someone's being baptized, the people in rapture in the audiences, Mm -hmm. and I am transfixed. Yes. The televangelists, uh, they, they're now to put on a show, as well Yes, that they way. do, they do.
1: Uh,
0: but there's a dark side to all this, isn't there?
1: There it, is.
0: Because uh, preying on someone's vulnerability or loneliness, someone in need, if they need mm. healthcare, if they need money, whatever it might be, right. these people uh, are exploiting people who are in a situation, often not because of their own doing. Right. Just talk us through this movement and, and, and what's really going on at the heart of the pastors and the televangelists.
1: Um, Well, the prosperity gospel is really predicated on individualism, so an individual relationship with God and individual responsibility, not only for your eternal salvation, which is the normal purview of, of a pastor, but also individual responsibility for your material circumstances in the here and now. Right. And so the prosperity gospel preaches that not only is eternal salvation accessible through faith, but that material wealth in the here and now is also accessible Ah, through faith. I see. And that faith has to be demonstrated. And the way that one demonstrates that faith is through something called positive confession, And this is where the name it and claim it uh, part, uh, nickname for the prosperity gospel comes from. It's this idea not of asking God for money or wealth or success, but from claiming it from God. Because God has already set it aside for the individual.
0: So God's sitting, he or she is sitting there. Yes. You make contact. Yes. There's a sort of, I don't know, a rotor or a roster or a database or something, and and you're in there, Mm -hmm. and all you then have to do is communicate there and then channel that into your life. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it works is because other pastors who've done it Mm -hmm. are materially very successful.
1: Yes, I mean, they hold their wealth up. They're not ashamed of their wealth. Right. You know, calling them out on their wealth is not a gotcha, it's proof. It's proof that their method works.
0: What about the camel, the needle, uh, the gates of heaven? They have
1: a standard response for that. The prosperity gospel, if you try to bring up uh, those particular verses out of Matthew to them, they will say, look, it's not money is the root of all evil. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. It's not wealth that God abhors. It is prioritization of wealth above God that God abhors.
0: And it's okay if you're spreading um, the word of the gospel in a private jet yes, around the Midwest. Yes, That's they okay.
1: would see that as uh, a necessity in spreading the gospel. They would see that as an instrument, a tool.
0: Jesus had a donkey, not
1: a Yes, donkey. yes. Not. And one of the preachers has said, in today's terms, a donkey is a Cadillac. Uh, I don't specifically remember this part of the um, Sermon of the Mount uh, where, where Jesus talked about wealth. But they, they claim that Jesus is indeed wealthy and that Jesus wants you to be wealthy and that all you need to be wealthy is to claim what is rightfully yours from God
0: because there are so many different facets mm-hmm. of um, televangelists and prosperity gospel evangelicals mm-hmm. mega churches how do you start to divide them up and say oh well, well these people believe this this happens here well, like give us an overview of okay. these different sets
1: it is really complicated and it can be very confusing because you have evangelicals the prosperity gospel and mega churches and there's a significant amount of overlap between those three groups, but they are not all in the same thing. And that's further complicated by what these groups call themselves and how they regard each other. So, for (laughs) instance, the prosperity gospel preachers would not consider themselves, would not call themselves prosperity gospel. They would not claim that for themselves. But they would, generally speaking, most of them would, say that they are evangelical. Right, Evangelicals would call them prosperity gospel, and for that reason say that they are not true to the spirit of evangelicalism. So it's a contested landscape right. to say the least. And
0: are people doing this, are the different groups vying for position? Are some closer to God than others?
1: Uh, well, it depends on who you ask. Yes, <laughs> right, of course, right. of course. Each thinks that they have, you know, the main line to God. They think that their interpretation of the gospel is the truest to the message. And then you have megachurches and mega-churches are. Um, churches that typically have a congregation of 2,000 or more Oof. and a lot of the more popular prosperity gospel people and more popular evangelicals do have mega churches but so like I said there's a lot of overlap but it's not a single circle.
0: A lot of these preachers pastors mm-hmm. uh, are super wealthy Yes. They've done very well out of this. Yes. Uh, And uh, you've got to say that those cash flows have come from people tithing. Yes. uh, And wanting to be either closer to God or having prayers answered. There's something pretty pernicious about this.
1: Yeah, I'd say so. And tithing isn't unique in religion in the United States. There are lots of denominations. Uh, that require tithing. I lived in Utah for six years and the LDS church has Mm. a tithing requirement. So that's not as unusual. What is unusual is this sowing a seed.
0: Right. What does that mean?
1: What that means is that when you have a particular thing that you need from God, whether that is financial success or it's health, or it's, you know, you want your career to move forward. Curing
0: coronavirus?
1: Yes, you need to sow a seed. So what you do is you make a a financial gift offering, and that is the sowing of a seed. That is saying, I am giving my money to you because I have faith that that money will come to me.
0: He's here with us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if a light falls, I'm out of here. <laughs> He's not very happy. Just,
0: just so we know, and people watching us at home, there's been a big bang over there, which you all heard. We might be watched. Or being watched. Keep going.
1: Okay. <laughs> Keep going.
0: Um, one of the things that I find really difficult in all of this mm-hmm. is the sense of hope that is sold and as we know, hope is a false friend, Mm -hmm. Uh, because you're really exploiting people in the most vulnerable, often in the most vulnerable state. Yes. And that persistent selling of hope Mm -hmm. is a really, really awful thing to do to people, especially if you're pulling a few dollars out the other end of it.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And it can have disastrous consequences as well. Imagine that you're a congregant. The year is 2005, right? We've just done with the Clinton administration lots of financial deregulation. We're in the George W. Bush administration. Bush ran on this idea of the ownership society that everyone should be able to buy a home. Now you're a congregant and you are told to claim what is rightfully yours, what God already has for you. And then suddenly. You qualify for a mortgage. Oh, no. Suddenly, you don't have to have a down payment to put on a house. These seem like, to the congregant, signs of God's favor. And what's more, if you don't take on this debt. Oh, no. If you don't take on this debt, that is a sign that you do not have faith that you will be able to pay this back. So you have to take the leap of faith and acquire this debt because this is what God has set before you.
0: See, there's historical context to this because basically what uh, pastors are doing is conflating uh, Jesus with capitalism. Correct, <laughs> right. yes, yes. Um, and, and back in um, 1936, mm-hmm. uh, a new thought mystic and founder uh, of Unity Church Charles Uh, Fillmore rewrote Psalm 23 uh, to read, The Lord is my banker, my credit is good.
1: Yes. It's very much part of the prosperity gospel narrative.
0: And then um, Bruce Bowler, back in 1925, he was an advertising executive, and he wrote uh, a book called The Man Nobody Knows, uh, and he argued that Jesus was the first great capitalist. So he's saying, someday someone will write a book about Jesus, every businessman will read it and send it to his partners and his salesmen, Mm -hmm. for it will tell the story of the founder of modern business. Right. So so this is a guy who threw money lenders out of the temple. Correct. But he's really the godfather of capitalism?
1: Right. And that's what the prosperity gospel preachers teach. They teach that Jesus was a wealthy person, that wealth is not a sin, that wealth is a sign of God's favor. Uh, they claim that, that Jesus was prosperous. Kenneth Copeland says that uh, Jesus was so prosperous that he had to have a treasurer <laughs> and that he had to have been prosperous uh, because he funded the ministry he funded his disciples. Um, Creflo Dollar has said that uh, Jesus, from the time he was born, attracted wealth. Um, and as evidence, the three wise men coming to bring him gifts. Gold? Of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These are expensive gifts. So, and he's, so- the first,
0: he's the f- godfather of capitalism, mm-hmm. and he's the first gold bug.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he's the
0: first <laughs> sound money guy.
1: Yeah, from, from his infancy he attracted But, but this wealth. is this
0: law of attraction, isn't it? Because yes, that's what they're selling. Much. If you do this, you can be a little like me because I've attracted this and then right. you will get this.
1: It grows out of a long tradition of the power of positive thinking. So in the early 19th century, we had first wave transcendentalism and mesmerism. And both of these were sort of experiments uh, with spirituality that sought to make a more direct connection between the individual and a higher power, and out of that grew, uh, toward the end of the 19th century, uh, something called New Thought. Right. And New Thought uh, is a tradition that talks about the perfectibility of the self and the individual in their direct connection with a higher power can tap into that higher power and essentially achieve mind over matter. So they can heal themselves, make themselves wealthy. Now, at the beginning of the 20th century, we also have the Pentecostal movement that starts. And a small sect of the Pentecostal faith starts experimenting with new thought. And they bring into practice faith cures. So at first, we get these cures that are based primarily on health. As we move through the 20th century, it waxes and wanes until we get to the 1950s. And there is an author named Norman Vincent Peale, who comes out with a book called The Power of Positive Thinking. And it is a bestseller and uh, incredibly influential. And the connections are quite obvious when you remember that Norman Vincent Peale was the pastor for Donald Trump's church growing up. So a lot of these things start to make sense. Uh, Through the 1950s, we see more medical advances Mm -hmm. and vaccine development. And so what happens is we have a pivot away from promises of health healing and toward promises of financial wealth. And then, once we hit the 1960s, we've got counterculture, we've got experimentalism, and um, we have the neo-charismatic movement, which is very similar to Pentecostalism, and speaking in tongues. And they are very theatrical in their worship. Uh, They have stages instead of altars. They have concerts as part of their service. And so the prosperity gospel is really the product of that early cross-pollination between new thought and Pentecostalism Mm -hmm. infused with um, neo-charismatic elements. And then you throw in TVs in every home and you get the televangelists of the 1970s. And that's where the prosperity gospel as we recognize it today really started to take off.
0: Welcome back to Renegade Inc. Before we talk more about how Jesus was the godfather of capitalism with the economist Mary Wren, let's have a look at some of the richest pastors in the world in this week's Renegade Inc. Index. Unsurprisingly, much of this information is shrouded in secrecy, but we've put together an informal list from sources to give you an insight into how much money these people make. So in at number five uh, out of the richest, Benny Hinn Networth. 42 million dollars. He's an Israeli televangelist who holds miracle crusades. These are faith healing summits usually hosted in big stadiums and broadcast on his TV show which is called This Is Your Day. This is a problem selling this kind of false hope.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, And he also sells tours uh, from what I understand of the Holy Land. So he will take you over to Israel and uh,
0: Get you that bit closer to God.
1: Get you that bit closer.
0: At uh, number four, Pat Robertson, he's worth a hundred mil. Uh, he's from Virginia, also a pastor. Ran for president, uh, unsuccessfully, uh, but he, he found...
1: Asked, uh, he, yeah, he founded the Heritage Foundation, which is a hugely influential conservative think tank. Uh, in the United States. Right. Um, he has also spoke, I can talk at length about him, he has also spoken uh, about um, how the Republican Party had lost its way. He's written several books about uh, where the right went wrong right. Um, and gave up its conservative roots.
0: And conflating church and state with a think tank. Yeah. Elegant stuff. Yes. Third richest, David Oyadepo, 150 mil, uh, founder of the Living Faith Church worldwide, also known as the Winner's Chapel.
1: In Nigeria?
0: Right. I believe. So it's not just America. No. This is, this is now for export.
1: It, it, the prosperity gospel is a distinctly uh, American invention, but uh, they, the preachers have been busy exporting it.
0: Wow. Uh, second richest, Thomas Dexter Jakes or T.D. Jakes, uh, net worth. Same, 150 mil. Uh, He leads the non-denominational megachurch, The Potter's House, and that's in Dallas, Texas. Uh, And he's actually been on the cover of Time Magazine, Mary.
1: Yes, I I believe the title was God Wants You to be Rich.
0: (laughs) Of course. And coming in at number one, uh, a country mile between him uh, and his contemporaries, Kenneth Copeland, net worth 760 mil. He's a popular televangelist and founder of the Kenneth Copeland Ministries, uh, also in Texas.
1: Kenneth Copeland is a prosperity gospel preacher. He brags about his wealth. He's very proud of his wealth. He's not ashamed of it. Um, and he... He,
0: He too is blessed.
1: Yes, he he considers himself blessed, yes. And um, that this is God making sure that he has enough to fund his life and to fund his ministry and sees his wealth essentially as a tool to use or as a weapon to use in God's army.
0: Well, something else about him, he's able for just a few dollars to cure coronavirus.
2: Put your hand on that television set. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He received your healing. Yes. Now, say it, I take it. I take it. I have it. I have it. It's mine. It's mine. I thank you and praise you for it. Yes, Lord. And I forgive if I have aught against any. I forgive. And I praise you that I'm well and whole. I praise you that I'm well and whole. Yes. According to the word of God, according to the word of God, I'm healed. Yes. And I consider not my own body. Yes, I consider yes. not my own body. I consider not symptoms in my body. I consider, I consider not, symptoms not symptoms in my body. But only that which God has promised. Only, that, only that which God has Only that what the Word has said. Only that what the Word has said. And, that and, that and by His stripes, I was healed. <laughs> and by His stripes, I am healed now. I'm not the sick trying to get healed. I'm the healed and the devil's trying to give me the flu. That's right or whatever else kind of thing he's trying. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Healed and well? Yes. In the sweet name name of of Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes.
1: We
0: don't need a vaccine. We don't really need hospitals now. We just need this guy to...
1: Not just him, not just him. There's also Paula White, a televangelist out of Florida who claimed victory over the coronavirus from the Rose Garden In the White House. In the White House. Yes. Just
0: remind us, uh, greatest deaths in the world, country by country.
1: It's a heated competition between Brazil and the United States, but I think we're edging them out. COVID
2: 19! COVID 19! (laughs) I blow blow. blow. the wind of God! The The wind wind of God! On you! On you! you are destroyed forever you are destroyed destroyed forever and you will never be back and And you'll you'll never 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 be back
1: that is the positive confession that is claiming that god has already given you what you need that's positive
0: that's positive lunacy and the difficult bit is that there are people in those congregations who are terrified to leave they listen to that stuff they'll spend some more money it's an yes. ab- uh, in an abusive relationship, really, Yes. because they're, they're, they're mentally captured by this. Right. And then exploited. Because yes. we can sit here and laugh about it and say, oh, isn't, you know, isn't it lun- lunacy? And, you know, but actually, there's a really dark side to this, isn't there?
1: Yeah, and I feel very uh, protective of the congregants mm. who get swept up in this. And, and think about this context for a moment. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Mm. And in the United States where healthcare is only provided through insurance that is tied to your job, mm. the unemployment rate is 20, percent currently which means that we have millions of people who have lost their job mm-hmm. and do not have health insurance in the middle of a pandemic.
0: So these guys the balance sheet that these organizations are gonna go through the roof because ultimately, you know, if you're in that much desperation, you're gonna to cling to anything.
1: Yes, it's the cheapest healthcare there is.
0: Which isn't healthcare. Yes. I mean, how do you begin to address this?
1: It's not gonna to work to call them out on hypocrisy. It's right. not gonna work to try to counter their narrative with with evidence uh, from verses in the Bible, I don't know how you would bring someone out of of the prosperity gospel, and I'm, I don't know that you want to. Right, I mean, okay. whatever gives you solace during this period, you know, go ahead, embrace it. But My- those
0: people who are in it, or uh, you know, and and are captured, uh, uh, but right. they know intuitively or feel intuitively that there's something. Uh, not quite right. Right. They might be watching this conversation now. Hopefully we've pulled it apart in a way that uh, has been uh, insightful enough to get a little glimpse that maybe this isn't the real deal.
1: That might be true, but they also might see what we're talking about as inviting negativity in. See, that is the flip side of the positive confession.
0: Okay, what's that then?
1: If you have doubt if you ask for something or you you make a request and, and say you need it twice, you are being negative because you are not claiming it and that's that's the really insidious power of of the positive confession because there's no room for critique and even though the material circumstances of an individual might not change, the prosperity gospel message is still going to seduce
0: but um I can tell you now, Mm. regardless of how hard you work under the current uh, economic arrangements of the so-called capitalist system, structurally, Mm -hmm. that isn't going to pan out.
1: Right, exactly, exactly. And so the prosperity gospel is essentially a spiritual articulation of neoliberalism. It's It's a reinforcing institution. Because what does neoliberalism teach? It teaches that if you are poor, it's because you didn't work hard enough, you didn't Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You don't have the work ethic. You haven't earned it, which is the same message of the prosperity gospel.
0: It's uh, incredible. Yeah. And it's incredible to draw that comparison. Yes. And it's no uh, coincidence, is it, that no, the, current no. prin- uh, the current president, Mr. Trump, yes, um, is uh, playing really hard to these audiences with these messages.
1: Exactly. President Trump, growing up, his childhood pastor was Norman Vincent Peale, the author of The Power of Positive Thinking. Peale's sermons were often built around stories of entrepreneurs as heroes, as the the moral heroes of his narratives. And so Trump grew up hearing those messages. And you can actually see the positive confessions in Trump's unscripted, Remarks, which are nothing but word salads of superlatives, <laughs> right? It's all, we've got this beat. We're going we're gonna to take over. We're the best. Everything's fantastic. Everything's fantastic. Everything's terrific. And his two favorite words are, believe me. Believe me, we're going to get this cure. Believe me, we're going to have an economic turnaround like the world has never seen. Believe me.
0: Um, I don't know if anyone's ever said it before, uh, but let's do this. I think you've got a televangelist running the country.
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. He's not our first neoliberal president, but he is absolutely our first prosperity gospel president.
0: And like all the other televangelists, he's got a private jet.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So now we're in a position in America where it isn't just Goldman Sachs uh, under then Lloyd Blankfein who was doing God's work. It's now the president who's doing God's work and actually God's on his side.
1: Absolutely. And
0: with that sucker, with that backup, he can go about his daily job.
1: Right, right. And you can see why Trump has been popular with evangelicals, uh, which is a broader group than the prosperity gospel, and we should probably save that conversation for another day, but he has brought in a lot of evangelicals into his cabinet, Betsy DeVos, for instance, um, and he has passed a a lot of executive orders that are very uh, much favored by the evangelical community.
0: Mary, you've given us a massive insight to a world that I find absolutely fascinating. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's it from Renegade Inc. this week. We'd love to hear from you, so studio at renegadeinc.com. Join us next week for more insight from those people who are thinking differently, but until then, stay curious.